Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Solomon is writing the book of Ecclesiastes closer to the end of his life, and Solomon has experienced all that you might in life. He was wealthy, he was powerful, he was honored and respected, he had a large family. I mean, he had all of these things that anybody that might want in life, he certainly had them all. And Solomon, having it all, though, writes this book to explain how he... He's not satisfied with all of that. And it seems like a conundrum. How could you have everything and conclude that it's not enough? Nobody has more wealth. Nobody has more wisdom. Nobody has more respect or honor or power. I mean, what more could you possibly want in life? Any sort of thing that you might desire, Solomon had it, and yet he is writing and he's saying, I'm not satisfied with that. The reason, or one of the major reasons why he cannot answer that question is because he cannot answer the question, why? Why? Why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I going? What is the end of purpose to which I'm getting wisdom? growing wealthy, getting respect and honor? I mean, what is the purpose to all of this that we have in life? What's the purpose of becoming wealthy? What's the purpose of uh, 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 gaining your accomplishments? What is the purpose to all of this? And Solomon is writing this book, and one of the phrases that he uses quite commonly is, under the sun. That's the phrase you see there in verse number one. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun. The idea there is he is viewing all of these things only with the perspective of what he could see on earth. That's all that matters to him. That's all that he's thinking about. That is the entirety of the realm with which he's considering when he's writing this book of Ecclesiastes. And he's coming to these conclusions And in verse number six, he asks the question, do not all go to one place? He says, doesn't everybody die at the end of all of this? And there's a natural follow-up question to that, which is, what happens after that? What happens after that? And what happens after that answers the question, why are we here? If the only thing about our lives is we live or we are born, we live and we die and that's it, then what does it matter? Nobody really has an answer to who cares and why is it so important that we do all of these things if the only thing that we know is that we are born, we live and we die and that's it. Solomon is hinting at this conclusion that eternity gives us purpose in this life. The purpose that we have and the picture that we should have should come from our knowledge from the Lord in the Bible that there is an eternity to come after this life. After we die, we all go somewhere. Everybody's going somewhere. We don't die and disappear We are not just evolved animals. 
We were created in the image of God. And one day, we will all be somewhere for all of eternity, forever. And that place that we are going to gives us purpose to all the things that we have here on this earth. And that answers the question, why? Kids love to ask the question, why? You tell them something and they don't just take it as you give it. They got to ask the question, why? Why is that? And until eventually you get to the answer, I don't know. I don't know why that is. <laughs> Stop asking the question, you know? Why? Why is that? Why don't you know? Why is that like that? Why does it have to be that way? They want to ask, ask the question. And we too need to ask the question. Why are you trying to get all of that wealth? Oh, so I could be rich. Why? Oh, so I could buy a big house. Why? So I could live in the big house. Why? <laughs> There's an endless why. Ah, uh, I have to live somewhere. Why? <laughs> you know, at some point, we have to have something deeper than just, I want a big house. I want a retirement. I want a nice car. Why do you want a nice car? Well, I want people to respect me. Why? You know, it's very hard to answer those questions without getting to eternity. And Solomon is hinting at this principle. Eternity gives you purpose in life. Have you answered the question, what is your purpose? Why are you here? Why are you doing the things that you do? Well, I want to see in three different areas how eternity gives purpose to these major things that we have in our lives. Number one, we see that eternity gives purpose to our possessions. Eternity gives purpose to what we have in this life. Verse number one, he begins with this example. There's an evil which I've seen under the sun, and it is common among men. He sees this among lots of different people. This is not just a rare, exclusive case. This is something that he sees among a lot of people. A man to whom God had given riches and wealth and honor, so that he wanteth nothing for his soul of all that he desireth. He's rich, he's wealthy, and he has honor. People respect him. He has a lot of money. He's obviously had some success in this life. Yet God giveth him not power to eat thereof, but a stranger eateth it. This is vanity and it is an evil disease. Here is somebody who apparently has accumulated a lot of wealth, but is, doesn't have any kids to be able to give it to. And so there's, what does he do with it? It's just going to get thrown away. And so he's thinking, I could accumulate all of this. But what's the point of that? And so he's thinking about all of those things. And so here's an individual who has so much wealth that he cannot possibly consume all of it in his own life. And who does he give it to? Well, he doesn't have anybody to really give it to. It just kind of gets, you know, divvied up or taken by somebody. And he says, okay, so what was the point that I was trying to get all of this money? There's another example in verse number three. If a man beget a hundred children, okay, Solomon says, consider the man who has 100 kids. Now, we would all say, wow, 100 kids, oh, wow, that's, that's, 
That's a big family. I mean, you don't need just a bigger van. I mean, I don't know how you're going to get your whole family anywhere with 100 kids, you know? And then we might look at that situation and be like, Solomon, uh, what, what does that even mean? Who would even want 100 kids, you know? But back in those days, people thought a little bit differently. They prioritized things a little bit differently, you know, back in the day and many, many years ago. One thing that was desirable in the past was that you were, you know, obese, you know, because that meant that you were successful. You had a lot of money. You could eat more than you needed. But now if you're obese, your doctor would like to have a few words with you, you know, like it's things have kind of flipped and turned upside down. Back in the day, having lots of kids was a great thing. It was a huge blessing. Everybody thought, wow, this is great. And there's a lot of reasons for that. We know in the past, a lot of children would die when they were very young. And there are all sorts of different things. And you never know what might happen in life. And so having a lot of kids was viewed as a great success. And, and so let's just take it as that, that here is somebody who says, you know what, uh, let's say somebody has 100 kids. I mean, even more successful than anybody would ever dare dream to be and to have. And yet, uh, that's, that's not enough either. Here's the third individual. If a man beget a hundred children and live many years so that the days of his years be many. Verse number six, yea, though he live a thousand years twice toll. So imagine the man who lives a long life, you know, and today, uh, you know, people are living longer and longer, right? You know, we hear about the statistics. The average individual here in America, I think, lives to be about 80 years old. And uh, I think uh, men are just under 80 and women are just over 80 or something like that. And uh, I, I read the statistic that if you're married when you are 65 years old, there's a 25% chance that one of you will live to be 95 years old. You know, and that just kind of, you know, I was thinking, well, 95, you know, I thought like, 80 was great, you know, but a lot of people live into their 90s, they live into their hundreds now, and people are talking about having medical technology, living longer and longer and longer, people might live into the hundreds, and that might be a little more regular, we don't even really know. God obviously has put kind of this limitation on us in terms of how long we can live, but, but Solomon is saying, let's, let's take the most extreme example of anything that might be possible. Yea, though we live a thousand years. The Bible tells us the man who lived the longest, and his name was Methuselah, in the book of Genesis, before the flood. He died the year of the flood. His name was Methuselah. He lived 969 years. So he lived a long, long time. I mean, he's not just playing with the grandkids or the great-grandkids. I mean, he's playing with the great-great-great-great-great-great-grandkids. Imagine the size of the family and all of that. I mean, he's lived a very long time. Solomon says, imagine somebody who's lived even longer than that. He lived a thousand years. Not only that, he's lived a thousand years twice told. Let's take the more than whatever is the biggest that anybody is ever able to have in terms of years, and let's double it, 2,000 years. So here is the man who is living life here on earth for 2,000 years. He's saying that man will not be satisfied with those years. He's not going to be growing more and more and more satisfied, happier and happier and happier as the years go by there will be a lack of satisfaction. And Solomon can say this 
not in theory, but in many ways out of experience. Solomon had the wealth that nobody else had. He had the wisdom that nobody else had. He had the honor and respect that nobody else had. He had all of the things that you could possibly desire in life. And he came to the conclusion, having unlimited possessions was not satisfying. Having unlimited years, having unlimited posterity was not satisfying. Why? Because no matter how much you get in life, doesn't everybody die one day? Doesn't everybody end up in the same place? No matter how high up the mountain of wealth you climb, you eventually fall all the way back to the bottom because you die with zero. No matter how much respect you have in life, one day you will die and all of that will be gone and disappear. No matter how far up in whatever ambition or desire or whatever you can accumulate in life, no matter what happens, you end up at the bottom once again with zero. He saw life as a giant hamster wheel. You ever see those wheels? You know, you have the little cages, and you know, the little hamster wheel, and you know, the little hamster's supposed to get on there and run and run and run, and no matter how far or how fast or how hard he tries, the moment he steps off is in the exact same place where he got on. He didn't get anywhere, even though he tried very, 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 very hard, he stepped off in exactly the same place. And that's what Solomon is saying about us. No matter how hard we try in this life, we end up in the same place where we started. We were born with nothing. We will die with nothing. So what does it matter how far up you climb in the middle? Because you end up at the very end in the same place with nothing. How can I find purpose in life if everything I build up gets torn down one day? Right? What's the point of accomplishing all of these things if, if one day it all gets destroyed anyway? What does it matter if I gain all of this wealth if it gets spent up and is gone one day? You know what God says? Eternity gives purpose to your possessions. The possessions that you have can have a great purpose if you consider them in light of eternity. And you can find great fulfillment in life when you think about the money you have and how you can use it for eternity. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, Charge them that are rich in this world. Not just eternally rich, not just spiritually rich, but financially rich people. Rich in this world, that they be not high-minded nor trust in riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. So God wants you, if you are rich, if you have money, you have wealth, you have savings, you have investments, you might own property, if you are rich, God gave you those things to enjoy them. How can you enjoy them? That they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. So he says, if God gave you wealth, then you should use that wealth for good. Give it to somebody who has need of it, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So what he's saying here is he's not saying that if you give money, then you'll get eternal life. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is thinking about eternal life 
Use your money wisely. Think about your finances in an eternal kind of way. Is God saying that it's bad to be wealthy here in this passage? No, it's not bad to be wealthy. But if you are wealthy, eternity gives purpose to your dollars. It gives you a purpose for why do I have this thing? Why is this thing so important? God wants you to invest into eternity. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So what does that mean for us? Does that mean that God wants us to just give all of our wealth away, not save anything for retirement or, you know, have an emergency fund or things like that? Well, that's not necessarily the case, but God wants us to think about all of these things in an an eternal kind of a way. What does that mean? All right, let's take some basic, simple things. Let's say you have a wonderful home. You've saved up money, you've been putting it away, you've been able to put down a down payment. Now you've got a great house, you've got a wonderful home. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. Now, how can you use that home for eternal purposes? Because, I mean, somebody lives in a huge, huge mansion, they've got six bedrooms and five bathrooms, and it's a husband and a wife and one child. I mean, they've got so many extra, I mean, what, 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 we, what am I supposed to do with all of this extra stuff? Do I really need a living room this big? Do I really need a home this big? I mean, what is the purpose of that? Well, if you do have something like that, that's wonderful. Use it for eternal purposes. How could you use it for eternal purposes? Well, one of the ways is you could use it to encourage somebody in the Lord. Bring somebody over to your house. Encourage them and say, hey, I want you to come over. Let's have some dinner together. Let's fellowship together. Let's encourage one another. You know, maybe open our hearts together. Let's pray together. Hey, bring somebody into your home. Might be an opportunity for you to witness to somebody. Just, you know, somebody that you're really praying for and witnessing to. And just say, you know what? Uh, you know, why don't you come over to our house for dinner one day and, you know, bring them over for a lunch on a weekend or a dinner during the week or something like that. Bring them over and at some point ask the question, you know, if God were to take your life today, where would you go? Do you know that you would be on your way to heaven? It's a wonderful way to be able to think about your home with eternity in mind. Let's say you have great riches. You have so much money that you're like, what do I even do with all of this money? You could use it and invest it into eternity. There are missions, uh, missionaries that would love to be able to have your support. They would love to be able to get out onto the mission field, to be able to stay out on the mission field, to be able to reach people with the gospel. That would be one way. We're in need of a new building. That would be a wonderful way for us if we could get into a new building and and, uh, have a a facility that could really allow us to do all of the things that we want to do in ministry. You know, let's say you do save up. You're very successful. You have a great job. They pay you a lot of money. You've been able to uh, put it in some great investments and so much so that you're able to retire maybe even retire early you know how could you think about retiring early in light of eternity well instead of you know working for more and more money you could retire a little bit early maybe and and uh, use that opportunity to encourage people in the Lord. You could serve at your church a little bit more effectively in different ways. You could even think about, you know what, I, I have this job and I witness to these people, but now I got this extra time and I don't need the money, but I want to be able to witness to somebody. So you volunteer over at this place. So you got a part-time job and help these people over there. And there's so many different ways in which we can do the things that all of us are already thinking about, right? 
we're already thinking about, all right, maybe I do need a new car. Maybe I, need, I would love to be able to own my own home. I'm thinking about retirement. I'm thinking about you know, growing in wealth, all of these things. Well, these things are not meaningless if you think about them in light of eternity. You know what? God has given me this wonderful ability. He's given me a great intellect. He's given me a great business mind. He's given me this wonderful opportunity. And I'm earning lots of money. I'm getting a lot of money. That's a great opportunity for you, not just to be able to provide for your family or do some of the things, but also to use it for eternity. Hey, I want to have a big home so I can invite people over. I can invite my whole life connection class over. I can invite families over. You know, maybe you teach in a class and be able to invite the people over. You make a new friend and just invite somebody over to your home, things like that. Let's take the exa second example that, that Solomon talks about. He talks about kids, posterity. Well, if you have kids, raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Psalm chapter 127 says, As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with them, speak with the enemies in the gate. You know, I heard a preacher preaching on this passage from uh, Psalm chapter 127, and he says that arrows are not hid from the enemy, but they are shot at them. You know, I know that living in this kind of a world and looking out at, you know, the wickedness that is out there, sometimes there's a tendency to just kind of shelter our kids and just trying to keep them away from all of those things. And I think there's a time and a place when they're young to be able to maybe make sure that they're not being influenced by all of these things all day long, either at school or different places, but to be able to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. But one day to be able to raise them up, to be able to shoot them out into the world and to make a difference so that they will be a light, so that they could demonstrate godliness and what it means to be a Christian and be able to lead people to the Lord, be able to uh, uh, help in the ministry of the church. You know, uh, that's something that we could do with thinking about our kids, not just thinking about what college they'll get into, what kind of job they'll get, how much money they'll make, all of these different things, because those are important things, but only in light of eternity. What about the years that we have? Well, we can think about the short time that we have here on earth and how we can use it for eternity. Romans chapter 13, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Time is short, so let us use the time that we have now for eternity. So that's what Solomon is saying. Solomon is saying eternity gives purpose. Eternity gives purpose to our possessions, the things that we have. What's the point of having an enormous mansion if we don't use it for eternity? What's the point of saving up and having huge wealth if we don't lay it up for ourselves treasures in heaven? What's the point of all of these things? Solomon is saying if we don't have an eternity, there is no point. But he's saying if there is an eternity, we can use them if we invest it into our future. Secondly, we see that eternity gives purpose to our pursuits. Verse number seven, all the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. So Solomon is using a very basic analogy, which is we do what we do because we have basic appetites, right? Right? Why do we work? 
We work because we need money. Why do we need money? We need money because we need food. Why do we need food? Because I get hungry, right? And there's just this very basic cycle of life. What motivates us to work? I'm gonna get hungry, so I need food. Food means I need, you know, these different things. And so, all right, so we have these different motivations. Not every motivation is so basic and simple and just, you know, obvious. Everybody's got some different goals. Everybody has different dreams. Everybody has different ambitions. You know, in general, I'm a very goal-oriented person. I, I like to have a goal, and I like to know where I'm going, and I, I, I like to, to have that as a marker for, you know, pushing forward in life. And uh, if I don't have a goal, it's really hard uh, to stay motivated. And it's, it's what helps me to keep moving forward, uh, to keep trying and, and do it again and, and uh, maybe try a different way. Uh, for example, I grew up uh, playing a lot of sports. I love just getting out and, if, you know, kicking a ball, whatever. Just, you know, I just wanted to be out there. And so I would play soccer, I'd play basketball, I'd play whatever sport, you know, and uh, we'd go to the YMCA and play basketball. And uh, when I was growing up, uh, you know, our church had a a basketball hoop in the in the in the parking lot and so we would after Sunday evening service we would get out there and we would play basketball we would do all sorts of different things me and my brother we would just go out and whatever it is that we had we would play different sports and and so I, I would just try everything you know I loved all different kinds of sports but there was one sport that I just really 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 struggled to get into and the sport was golf all right now, if you've ever tried golfing, golfing at first, unless you're very talented, some of, some of you might be very talented, very athletic, uh, but golf is one of those sports where I was like, there's like a million different things that you have to think about and a million different things that you have to do exactly right in order to even hit the ball. I mean, you got this really long stick and this tiny little head and this tiny little ball, and you're supposed to get that ball 400 yards down the field. Oh, you know, how are we supposed to do this thing? And so I always thought, you know what, this is just not my sport. And so um, I never really got into it. And, uh, but my dad recently had a major milestone birthday. And so uh, before that, you know, I kind of asked him, I was like, so what do you, what do you want for your birthday? You know, what do you, what do you get your dad that he doesn't already have or that he couldn't get for himself? You know what I'm saying? I mean, if my dad could, whatever it is that he wanted, he could get it for himself better than I could get it for him. And so I was thinking, okay, you know what, what do you want? And uh, he said, you know, I want to play golf with my kids on my birthday. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay, all right, okay, all right, we're going to do this thing. And so I started to do this thing. And I've been practicing and practicing and practicing. We went out and we did the golf thing and I'm still trying to, you know, uh, learn this game so that I could spend time with my dad because I want to give my dad something. You know, my dad doesn't need another tie. He doesn't need another this or that. I mean, he has all of the things that he could possibly want. You know, the thing that I could give him that he can't buy is, you know, just spending time with us. And by spending time with us, it kind of means spending time with the grandkids. I know that that's, you know, something that he really wants. So that's great. That's wonderful. And uh, so, but that goal has kind of been put out there. And that has helped motivate me to get going down that road and uh, to be able to push down that. And every one of you has a goal of some kind. 
Some of them are very basic goals. Some of them are lofty goals. Some of them are simple goals. Some of them are maybe goals that you shouldn't really have, but everybody has something, some, some motivation, some ambition, some, some picture of what they want their life to be. And uh, maybe you have a financial goal. You've got some things regarding your finances that you have a goal. You want to save up for, let's say, an emergency fund. Uh, you know, something might happen. You might get a flat tire. You suddenly, you might have to go to the emergency room. You want to have a little bit of money saved up to be able to take care of that expense so you're not just going into debt right away. So you might have a goal like that. You might have a goal, you know what, I need to buy a new car in a couple of years. You want to buy a house. You want to retire one day. You know, you want to go on this nice vacation. You got some financial goals. So you might have some financial goals. Uh, you know, for, you know, we have some teenagers here, some people in the youth group, some people maybe in college and, uh, maybe you have some educational goals. You want to get some good grades. Uh, you want to get a good score on your SAT. You want to get into a certain maybe tier of college. Uh, you want to maintain a certain GPA so that you could get scholarships when you get to college. Maybe you want to go to grad school, things like that. And you want to do all of these things so that you could get, you know, this kind of a job when you graduate. Maybe you have some relationship goals. You know, you have some relationship goals. You want to get married, so you want to start dating. You want to find, you know, who the Lord has for you. You want to date, want to get married. And then, you know, if you're married already and, you know, you want to have kids, maybe you have that kind of goal. You want to raise up your kids, have this family. So you might have some relationship or family goals in your life. One of the big ones is a career goal. You know, what's your goal in your career? What's your future? You're going to be doing something for, you know, 30, 40, maybe now 50 years. You know, what are you going to do there? You know, you don't want to just uh, be working at some, you know, whatever job. You want to maybe advance, maybe become a manager, maybe own your own store. Maybe you want to climb the corporate ladder and get, get to a certain position in life or in your job and in your career. Maybe you just have some basic personal goals. You know, you want to learn a new hobby want to get in shape. You know, you got some, some basic goals. You have some of these different goals and I'm sure that every one of us, whether we think really deeply about it or not, we all have some sort of a goal. You know, I want to uh, save more money. I want to be able to invest more money. I want to be able to get a house. I want to be able to get this kind of a job. You have these goals. Solomon also had goals. It's not like Solomon was just meandering through life. He had goals too. He wanted to be wise. He wanted to do well in his kingdom. He wanted to have success in the nation of Israel. He wanted to establish the kingdom, grow the kingdom, grow in wealth, do all of these things. He, he had all of these goals too. But when he thought about his life and thought about his ambitions, he thought, you know what? It's just like eating a meal. It feels good for a little while and then you get hungry again. It's just, you know what, I, I keep getting hungry, and I don't know why. I should, have, I should be full, and yet I feel empty. What's going on here? Verse number seven, all the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. For what hath the wise more than the fool? What hath the poor that knoweth to walk before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the desire. This is also vanity and vexation of spirit. That which hath been is named already, and it is known that it is man. Neither may it contend with him that is mightier than he, seeing there be many things that increase vanity, what is man the better? You know what Solomon was saying? He's saying, I could go after all of these things, but all of those things did not satisfy. He's saying those successes, 
pursuing these things, achieving his goals, reaching his dreams, left him still feeling empty. D.L. Moody said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. What Solomon is saying is that every one of us has desires. Everyone has goals. There's nothing wrong with having the goal of learning a new hobby, trying to advance your career, to be able to save up for a big purchase, to be able to go on a vacation, uh, to be able to have a family. There's nothing wrong with having any of these goals. But the goal matters only if we think about eternity. If the only thing in life is we are born, we live, and we die, and we leave everything behind, Solomon is saying, you'll be empty. You'll stay empty. It's like the football team that has the most yards but doesn't score any points. You need the yards, but the point is to score points right? That's the goal. That's the purpose. That's how you win games. And a lot of people in life have a lot of yards, but no points. And that's what Solomon is addressing. You're working really hard. You're getting a lot of money. You're having a lot of success. You're getting a lot of yards. But remember, the point is to score points. Where are the points scored? In eternity, not here. Not in this life. So that's the point. Seeing there be many things that increase vanity, what is man the better? If the only thing that we have is here on earth, it's empty. What's the point? What the point is, is that eternity gives purpose to our pursuits. Your goals, your dreams, and ambitions have purpose when you think about them in light of eternity. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That's a great, simple way to summarize. All right, what should the purpose of every little thing in life be? It should be to glorify God. Now, how can we glorify God in eating and drinking, right? I'm just eating a meal. How can that be glorifying? Well, let's continue on a little bit. It gives us a little bit more insight. Give none offense neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. You know what Paul's thinking about? He's thinking about eternity. You know what Paul's thinking about? That person is going to die one day, and that person is either going to heaven or hell. And he says, I want to lead that person to heaven. I want to lead that person to the one who can take them to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. I want to lead him to the Savior. That's my purpose. And so all of the other things that I do, if they're a distraction, if they are saying, oh, he says he's a Christian, but look at the way he lives his life. He must not really believe those things. And, you know, he talks about this Jesus, but I see what the Bible says, and I see what he's doing. And you know what? I just don't know if I really believe what he says. He says, I want to get rid of all of those things because I know that there is an eternal purpose for that soul. There's an eternal purpose that God has given to me. And I know that a soul that is saved is not in vain. And so if that means giving up all of these other earthly, vain things, I'm willing to do it. So how can we make everything, all of our ambitions, eternal? Well, we can ask a few questions. 
Does it glorify God? Does it glorify God? Does your career ambition glorify God? Or is it just all about you? I want to be at the top. I want to be the boss. I want to be able to do these things. Or is it about, you know what? God has given me these talents and abilities and I want to I use whatever God has given to me and let people know, you know what? God has given me a great opportunity. God has given me maybe a great upbringing. I have a great education. All of these things are possible only by the Lord and praise the Lord. I am where I am and I am who I am. When it glorifies God, when it leads the lost to the Savior, when you, when you have certain even hobbies and, and uh, just different things that you might do, use it as an opportunity. You know, you might take your family out to the park and just have some fun with your kids. That's great. That's wonderful. You want to build them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's also an opportunity to talk to some other parents and, to, to, you know, see how they are. How you doing, you know, and be able to have a conversation. Leave an invitation to your church with that person. That's a wonderful way for us to think about, you know what, I'm going to go to the park with my family. But also there's going to be an eternal component to this. Also when it builds up believers in the church. When you think about some of the things that you could do to be able to encourage other people, when you think about maybe your career, and you think about, you know what, if I get uh, you know, higher up, I can uh, get a raise. I can have more money. What's the purpose of that money? Well, I got to think about eternity. So what are some things that I could do? Well, what I could do is, you know, maybe I could buy a home and I could use that home for uh, eternal purposes, bringing in other believers, encouraging them, having fellowship, praying together, uh, thinking about the Bible together, bringing in a lost soul, being able to witness to them. Maybe you have the home and you'll be able to give them to your children and, and your children now won't have to worry about those things and all of that which they earn and, and they could think about, you know what, maybe I could support another missionary. Maybe I could do some other things that my parents couldn't do because they were working so hard to be able to get a home and, and now I'm able to serve in a better way or be able to give financially more liberally. All of these different things because everything that we do for the Lord in light of eternity will be rewarded. Matthew chapter 10, and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Everything is meaningful when it is done for the Lord. Revelation 22, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So Solomon is saying, you know what? In order to find purpose in life, we have to think about eternity. And eternity gives purpose to our possessions, what we have, to our pursuits, our goals, and our dreams. And lastly, to our plans. Verse number 12, for who knoweth what is good for man in this life all the days of his vain life, which he spendeth as a shadow? For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? So Solomon is saying, all right, how are we even supposed to know what is good for us in this life? Sometimes we don't even know what is good for us. Sometimes we know what's good for us and we don't do it anyway, right? How many of us know we should be exercising and we're not exercising? We should eat healthier instead of eating a bag of Doritos. But man, Doritos, they just taste so good. And uh, it's just sitting right there. It's got my name on it, you know, and uh, I just can't help myself, you know. And uh, there's lots of things where we know, but sometimes there's even things that we don't know. You ever get to a major crossroads in life and you're really thinking about what, what should I do here? Which college should I go to? Which job should I take? Which person should I marry? 
what, what school should I send my kids to? And there's no redos in life. You can't send your kids off to a school, take a job and be like, you know what, whoops, that was a mistake. Let's back it up, all right? Let's go down the other road. No, life is a, a one-way street. You're not backing up. Now, you might be able to get off some other place, but, you know, sometimes we just don't know. We don't know what is best. We don't know what will make a difference. We don't know what is coming up next. You know, there's lots of examples of people in the Bible who, you know, seem to make the logical choice at the time, but we know was the wrong choice. Lot was a classic example of that. Lot was the nephew of Abraham, and uh, they traveled together to the promised land, and so they were living there, and God blessed them, and God prospered them. They had wealth, so much so that there was, you know, and wealth in those days was not, you know, having a huge bank account and stuff like that. They didn't have stuff like that. Uh, they had huge flocks, you know, lots of sheep and lots of cattle, lots of animals, and you need a lot of pasture land for that. And uh, they were both so wealthy that their cattlemen, their servants, would fight with each other over the land. And so Abraham said, no, this is, this is too much. You and I, we're too wealthy to be able to live in the same place together. So we got to separate. You go one direction, and whatever direction you go, you pick, and then I'll go in the opposite direction. Lot had the choice of anywhere that he, wanted to, he could go and wanted to go, and he chose the plains of Jordan. They were well watered, the Bible says. Lot was thinking, you know what? The plains of Sodom will give me the best opportunity to grow wealthy. Abraham went the opposite direction. Lot ended up losing everything. Abraham ended up gaining everything. Now, it didn't seem logical at the time. It didn't seem to make sense at the time. But God said, you know what? If you follow me, I'll bless you. And I'll give you the reward. We don't always know what looks, what, what's the right decision. Something might look so great and be a lot kind of a decision. There are other things where we might look at life and be like, what is happening? This doesn't make sense. And yet that's 100% exactly where God wants you to be. Think about the life of Joseph. Joseph was taken by his brothers, sold into slavery for 13 years. He was a slave and then he was in prison for 13 years until... God put him next to the Pharaoh because God knew there was going to be a massive famine and Joseph is going to be in the right place at the right time with the right position to be able to make a difference, not just for Egypt, but for his family, for everybody. And Joseph, year after year, I don't know exactly what he was thinking. I am sure he was thinking things like, you know what, God, you gave me this dream, but it sure doesn't look like it right now. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why it's happening, but... God, you gave me this dream that something would happen, and I don't know why I'm here, but I'm just going to continue to be faithful and trust that the, what you told me would be true. So what should we do in our plans? We should follow God and trust Him. Because we don't know what's going to come next, but God does. We don't know what's good for us, but God does. We don't know what's going to really make the difference, but God does. I want to read to you this passage in Luke chapter 12. It's a fairly lengthy passage. The verses will be on the screen, but I want you to follow along with me because there's this sequence of conversations that Jesus is going to have. So he's with his disciples and he's with a big crowd of people. And in Luke chapter 12, verse number 13, it begins, and one of the company, so one of these people in this big crowd of people that's around Jesus said unto him, Master, 
speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. So obviously their father had passed away. The inheritance was divided and there would be a certain way of dividing it. The eldest would usually get the largest. And so he says, I want my brother, apparently the older brother, to split the inheritance more evenly with me. And he said unto him, man who made me a judge or a divider over you. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Life is not about how much you can get in this earth. That's what he's saying. And he spake a parable unto them. So one person comes and asks him about this inheritance issue. And Jesus says, that's not what life is about. And he begins to give this parable to everybody. He says, everybody, I want you to hear this story. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Hey, you're so successful. Just enjoy your life. But God said unto him, thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You know what Jesus is trying to say? You could have all the wealth in the world, but one day every one of you will die. So is he that layeth up treasures for himself and not rich toward God. He's saying life is not about laying up treasures for yourself, accomplishing things for yourself, doing all of making these plans for yourself, but being rich toward God. That's what he's saying. But then in verse number 22, notice this. And he said unto his disciples. So here is a man. He comes to him with this question about the inheritance. And he says, I want you to deal with this inheritance issue. Jesus says, that's, a, that's not the right question because that's not what life is about. Here, let me, let me give you all an, a, a, a story. And he gives a story about the rich man who didn't think about eternity. He had so much wealth saved up and then God took his life and Jesus is like, so what was the point of all of that? Now, some of you may be able to spend off more of your retirement funds than some others, but the point is all of it gets left behind one day. What next? What about after that? So he gives this example, but then he turns to his disciples. He says, all right, disciples, come here. All right. Those of you that are following me, those of you that are trusting in me, those of you that are close to me, disciples, come here. I got a special lesson for you. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life or what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? He's saying, why do you worry so much about these things when I can take care of you? That's what he's saying. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? 
And seek not what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of those things. So he's really emphasizing to his disciples, all right, life is not about what you can get. Put your entire trust in the Lord, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So he's saying, all right, instead of thinking about all of these things, what you should prioritize is the kingdom of God. Solomon's lesson is everything that you do could be done for the kingdom of God. Your home could be used for the kingdom of God. Your car could be used for the kingdom of God. Your finances could be used for the kingdom of God. Your family could be used for the kingdom of God. He continues in verse 37, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them sit down to meet and he and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also for the son of man cometh at an hour when ye think not. Jesus is saying, I'm coming again. That's the beginning of your eternity. Plan for those things. Plan for that time. Plan for how can I lay up treasures in heaven? And that will give you purpose to all that you have, all that you dream of, and all that you plan in life.